Hello, New Life. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. I'm glad you're here, and I am very grateful for so many of you who take the time to log in and watch our services together. It is so important for us to gather together. I know it's not what we're accustomed to, and we really would like to be in person together. And it can feel a little awkward. I know sitting there in your uh, living room, wherever you're at watching these services, uh, but this is what we have, and it's a, it's a rallying point for us as a church. It's a time for us to focus our faith together. It's a time for us to hear the Word of God together. It's a time for us to lift voices of praise together. And so I want to say thank you for all who are faithful to uh, tune in regularly on Sundays at 11 and uh, Wednesdays at 730. Uh, we're the beneficiaries, of course. We feel blessed. We feel better. Sunday, we had great service Sunday. I had so many people telling me that they had moves of, of God in their homes. They felt the presence of the Lord in a tangible way in their homes. They had great prayer times, and um, it is possible. And so I, I encourage you to press on in that. And and our services, particularly uh, the Sunday services, uh, at the end, spend the time in prayer. Uh, don't don't be hasty to, to leave and, and move on, even though the sermon may end Um uh, linger in prayer and apply the word of the Lord to your heart and see what the Lord will do. He will move in our homes. He will be real and he will manifest himself uh, wherever we are. And I, I thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Quick update on my wife and myself. We're doing fine. We're doing much better. We will uh, go for our testing this week to get our negative test. We want to make sure we get that uh, negative test confirmed before we are back in the presence of our staff and our team members. We want to keep everybody safe. And so we are taking uh, all the precautions we can. We're still quarantined. Uh, we will remain so until we get that negative test, but uh, we're doing well. And we are very grateful for your support, for your prayers, and uh, for all that you have done uh, to, to make us feel supported. And I know you've been praying. Thank you so much. Uh, Thursday, we have drive-through prayer at the church. We've had some good visits with folks as they drive through. Steve Miller is heading up this ministry five to seven on Thursdays. If you need prayer, or if you know someone who does, you can just drive through the church, no-touch environment. They'll pray for you, encourage you, and so I want to encourage you for that. We hope to open up services soon. I'm not prepared to give you a date just now. There are a lot of things that go into this. Uh, but as we are watching uh, the uh, surge drop, it seems like the surge of positive cases in Austin was tied to Memorial Day and perhaps some of the other activities going on in town. We have seen a dramatic decrease in the number of positive cases over the last several days. And so I want you to have uh, uh, excitement about this. Uh, we are going to be opening up very soon. Now, I'll, I'll give you an uh, update. It, it will probably be even a little different than before. This whole thing is evolving on us. But I want you to know that it's coming. It's coming quickly. We will not be shut down forever. And so uh, <clears throat> I'm very excited to be able to announce that to you, that it's coming. We're working on plans. And so stay tuned. You don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that opportunity to be back in, in, in person worshiping the Lord together. Uh, with your brothers and sisters. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer now. Uh, pray for uh, those who are sick among us, those that have needs. Herman Henry uh, is the husband of, a, of, of Irma who goes to our church. Herman is in ICU. He's very sick. He needs a miracle. I want us to pray for Herman. Pray for 
uh, Ron Langley, that's Jason's dad. He's in the hospital, uh, needs a touch from the Lord. Uh, pray for uh, comfort for Matthew Padron and his family with the loss of his grandmother. I want us to pray for Lori Green. That's the pastor's wife at Austin First Church. She was diagnosed with cancer, <clears throat> breast cancer. And uh, I want us to pray for her, healing for her, but also comfort and strength for the Austin First Church family. Um, a church across town, a fellow apostolic church. I want us to hold that church up in prayer. And I want us to pray for victory overall. God is at work. I, I know our, our society, our world, our culture, everything is just in, in, in chaos right now. But God can be and will be glorified in this. And so I want us to pray. If you have a need, I want you to call it to the Lord right now. Maybe just reach out, grab the hand of the person you're next to right now. And let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Gracious God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you never leave nor forsake us. Lord, you walk with us through deepest, darkest valleys. You give us victory. You bring us hope. Lord, I'm declaring your victory even now. We stand on every promise of healing. We stand on every promise of deliverance. We stand on every promise of hope. God, I am declaring that even now, Lord, that you are moving in the lives of your people. You see every prayer request that's being lifted. You see every heart that is reaching to you in worship, Lord. You see every life that is struggling. Move in the homes of our church, even this moment, Lord. Let there be a sense of calm. Let there be a sense of assurance. Let there be a sense of hope. Let there be a sense, Lord, that you're working in our lives. We give you the glory. Would you just give that praise to the Lord right now by faith? Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, for working in my life. I thank you for that, for the ways that you're bringing victory. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Well, grab your Bibles. Those of you that have your Bibles, give us a like down below. Let us know you're, you're there with your Bible. I know who you are, but uh, I want to see that like. I want to see that comment. And if you have a prayer request or something that you need, if you, maybe you need to be baptized or have some need in your life, comment down below. We will respond to you and we will connect with you. Living in hope. Living in hope. That's what we're talking about this month. This is part four. Uh, living in hope. And I want to continue that today. Uh, Peter says that we're born again into a lively hope. We are born again. We we as Christians, when we're born again, we have a brand new life. And what a what a message to the world that when you come to know Jesus Christ, you have traded the old for the new. Paul says uh, in his writings, he says that w when we come to know the Lord, he says the old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That is the essence of Christian conversion. It's not simply memorizing a catechism. It's not simply reciting facts. It's not just about a doctrinal treatise. It's about a personal transformation. All things become new. And so Peter says we're born again unto this lively hope. And uh, there, there's this reality of the present, but there is this hope that we look to. In fact, I was doing this last night and this morning. You should do this. You should just search the word hope in your, your Bible software, your concordance, whatever you use to, to search scripture. I encourage you to do that. Maybe after service tonight or tomorrow sometime, just sit down with your Bible, go through the New Testament and read all the passages that talk about hope. It is ingrained in the theology of the New Testament 
the New Testament is not merely a, a, a lecture on ethics. It's not merely about you should do this, you shouldn't do that. You, no, no, no. The, embedded in this theology of Christianity in the New Testament is this theme of hope, and it is central. This, this expectation that we have of resurrection, this expectation that we have, that all of this is moving to an end, that all of this is moving towards something good. It's not moving towards something negative. Now, judgment is coming. There is that component. There is the, um, uh, the, the melting, the fervent heat of, of even the elements, the earth, evidently some judgment on all of creation. That's, that's coming. But for the Christian, there is this hope of resurrection. There is this hope of transformation. And that hope is embedded in the New Testament theology. And so get your Bible out and just do a search for the word hope in the New Testament. And you will see that Christians in the early church, they were living in this expectation of hope. Read First Peter. I've been reading a lot from Peter in this series um, first Peter is a book of hope. Read about the hope that we have in first Peter. We're going to, we're going to read some of that, uh, today, even in our time together. And so, uh, stay tuned to that. Now we live in this hope of resurrection. We live in this hope of the coming of the Lord, but our present life, we talked about this particularly last week, our present life is the bridge between our new birth and resurrection. And so that in-between time where we live in hope, we don't yet have that hope fulfilled, that resurrection hope fulfilled, but we live in this hope. That is our in-between. That is our life now. But I want to I kind of highlight something, though, today, uh, a few things. The first is simply this. If God has taken all of that effort to secure our future hope, doesn't it make sense that he has made provision for right now? And doesn't it make sense that he is concerned about right now? Yes, we have this eternal hope. We have this resurrection. We have this eternal life that we're going to live fully in the presence of the resurrected Christ someday. And if that is where we're headed, and if, if God took the effort to come in human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, and he has since poured out his spirit, if, 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 if he has done all of these things, doesn't it follow then? that he is extremely concerned about the life we live right now? And the answer is yes, he is extremely concerned. And not only is he concerned, but he has made provision for the life right now. So our focus and our ultimate destination is this future hope, but that does not empty out the reality of now. The reality of now is that God is with us in this moment, that God is with us in the time in which we live on this earth. In other words, we are not just living in, in this in-between void, this vacuum of, well, I was born again, you know, back in 1980, whatever, and I'm going to go to heaven someday when I die or the Lord comes. And so I'm just kind of floundering now. No, 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 no. The right now is the time in which God is actively moving and he is extremely concerned about the now. And I want to talk about that now a little more today. Matthew chapter 28, this is the way the book of Matthew ends. If you look at the end of the Gospels, they end with these great commission accounts, as does the first chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, the final words of the Lord Jesus as he is about to ascend and go into heaven. 
And this is the way the book of Matthew ends with these words of Jesus. Matthew 28, 20. And lo, I am with you always unto even to the end of the age. Um, the end of the age. In other words, this present time. The parting words of Jesus to his disciples were, I will not leave you. I am going to be with you until the end of this age. What is the end of this age? Well, the end of this age is when we experience our hope. It's when that resurrection comes to pass. And what Jesus says is, I will not leave you. He was leaving in body. We know from other passages, I don't take time to read them all, but particularly in the writings of John, he talked about this comforter, that this comforter would be himself come in another form, his spirit. And he said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. He said, I will come with you. The one who has been with you will be in you. And so this in-between time is not a time where we're left without hope. It's not a time where we're left without any comfort. It's not a time where we're left without um, the presence of God. Although that future hope is there lingering and waiting and it orients our lives, we have the presence of the resurrected Christ with us now. Praise God. I will not leave you comfortless, he says. I will be with you. And that is a great, great comfort that we have today. And yes, our, our, our hope is, is in the coming of the Lord, but we can live with great assurance today. Great comfort knowing that God is with us. I want to go to Romans chapter 8 now. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 talks about this present life that we live in and how that the present life is part of the process that gets us to resurrection. And so what we're living through now, the life that we live from, from being born again to resurrection, this life that we're in now is part of the process that leads us to resurrection. Now, if you have your Bibles, thumbs up if you have your Bibles, like down below, give me a comment, tell me what version you're reading. Uh, tell me if you have a, a paper Bible, uh, a, a printed bound Bible, or if you're on a digital Bible. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. This is such a familiar passage. We all know this passage, uh, but I want to read it to you again, and I want you to hear it fresh. Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now listen to this. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called, and those whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, what you have in this passage is a snapshot from your new birth unto your glorification, or that is when you receive the fulfillment of your hope in resurrection. This passage is a snapshot of that unfolding plan of God. And he doesn't necessarily have it in order here, uh, the stages, because in the mind of God, it's all done. He says, those that he foreknew, he knew in advance, he, he knew that you would respond to his gracious call he predestined, in other words, he foreordained a plan for your life. 
in that plan was that you would be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ and that that process would be working in your life and that it would be unfolding to the end that you would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and that you would receive glorification at the end. And it's in this glorious passage that Paul says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, he's not necessarily talking about futuristic things there. He's talking about right now. What he's saying is that God has has set in motion a process that no matter what events your life encounters, the process still works. And so he says that those things that we encounter in life, all things work together for our good. They work together for our good because if we love God, God has already determined that everything that we encounter gets mixed all together and the mixing process produces something healthy, something good in our lives. What a what a assurance. Because the message here is that although we're born again and we're looking towards a hope, everything in between is working for our good. Now, he, he never says that everything we encounter is good. He never says that everything we encounter is pleasurable. He never says that everything we encounter is easy. But what he says is that this in-between life is a process in which God is working in our lives. This is what it looks like to live in hope. When I live in hope, I'm living with the reality that God is at work in my life. I'm living with this understanding that as I go through life, it's not just happenstance. It's not just this random events coming into my life, but whatever I encounter, God's using it and God's shaping me and God is molding me and God is making me into something. And that something is going to resemble the image of Jesus Christ. And so this present life that we live is part of this overall process of God's will being done in our life. Now, I want to go to the book of Hebrews. As I was studying this, I was very excited, and I, I was so um, just all uh, inspired again as I began reading these passages of Scripture. I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, turn there. It is the cross of Jesus Christ that guarantees our hope. It is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the ongoing effects of that cross that guarantee our hope. And I want to read to you how Hebrews says this. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. Now, there's a lot in this. We're not going to comment on all this. Hebrews is, uh, can be a complicated book. So uh, there's a lot of language and vocabulary here, but we're going to go through it fairly quickly. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie... We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us. So he says we have fled for refuge. Refuge from what? From sin, from the world, from the brokenness, from the things of this life. We have fled from that and we have fled to lay hold on hope, which is our refuge. Now look at verse 19. Wow, this is great stuff. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, 
and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become the high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. What he's saying is that the hope that we have is first of all rooted in what Jesus Christ did for us. And so his death, burial, and resurrection are an assurance for us. But, but the language in verse 19, he says, this hope is an anchor. It is an anchor for the soul. When storms blow through and when there's uncertainty and there's turmoil in life, what is it that anchors us? It's our hope. It is that steadfast hope that God is at work here and all of this is headed towards some end in my life. All of this is moving towards resurrection. All of this is under the tutelage and under the supervision of God. And I have that hope that anchors my soul. This is why in great times of stress and turmoil, people of faith can stand with assurance. Amen. They, they can stand with confidence. Some of our elders model this so well for us. And in great times of hardship and trial, there seems to be just this calm in their lives. What is it? It's that hope. That hope is the anchor, is the anchor of our souls. Living in that hope ties us. Living in that hope, it secures us. Winds blow and storms come and, and things happen in our lives, but it's the anchor, the hope. Is our hope that anchors us. Praise God. We live in that hope. Peter says it's a living hope. It's alive. And so how does this hope impact our lives in the present? So we, we see that it's relevant right now. Obviously, this life we're living now is, is a concern of God's. He's made provision for us. And so how does this hope impact our lives? I want to give you four four ways real quickly. Four ways in which this Hope impacts our lives. Number one, we live with an eternal perspective. You know, so many times it's easy for us to, to live with the temporal perspective. I don't have what I want. I don't have enough money. Uh, this relationship's fractured. This job didn't work out. This dream didn't go. And we tend to get, we tend to allow our vision to be skewed by the temporal things. But to live in hope means that we live with a temporal perspective or an eternal perspective, not a temporal perspective. In other words, our hope becomes the lens through which we view the world. Our hope becomes the lens through which we view our lives. Our hope, the ultimate fulfillment of the promises of God, the ultimate fulfillment of, of, the, uh, of the redemption that God has purchased for us, that end game becomes the lens through which I view life. And so, yes, there are disappointments in life. Definitely, we're not going to minimize that. There are disappointments. There are hurts. There are things that don't go right. And sometimes those things are very painful. But those things cannot be the, the perpetual lens through which we view life. The lens through which we view life is the eternal perspective. Hebrews chapter 11, you know the chapter. All of these great people of faith, these people that... Uh, that lived for God, that, that had great things happen in their lives. Some of them had great tragedies in their lives. You know what Hebrews 11 says of all these people, the ones that suffered, the ones that, that had victories, all of them together. And it says that this was their perspective. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That is eternal perspective. That no matter the, 
the state that I'm in right now, I'm a stranger and I'm a pilgrim. I am just passing through. There is, there is hope that is in us. There is hope that is before us. And having that eternal perspective helps bring all of these things that we experience in life. It helps distill them down into something that is manageable and digestible. Eternal perspective. Number two, this is Hebrews again. Number two, we are to remain faithful. We are to remain faithful. I'm going to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And this is what the writer says. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And so one of our responses in the right now, in the present time in which we live, is to remain faithful, to hold fast to that hope with with the assurance that God is faithful. The one that promised us this is faithful. And to hold fast, that means to persevere, to keep going, to not waver in our faith. It doesn't mean that we don't have questions. It doesn't mean that we don't have trials. But to not waver in our commitment to the hope that we have, not to waver in our faithfulness, to live out this faith, knowing that there is hope that is being fulfilled in us. Number three, I'm going to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. The third thing that our hope does, and the way it impacts our lives in the present, is that it inspires us and it demands of us that we live in holiness. To have this hope means that we live lives of holiness, lives that are consecrated and committed to God. 1 John chapter 3, I want to begin with verse 2. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it does not, or it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There's the hope. What a beautiful hope. We don't know exactly what it's going to be, but we know this, when we see him, we will be like him. And so John says, uh, we have this hope. And uh, then look at verse 3, the implications for the right now. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. So in other words, if you have this hope, this is uh, reflects back to what I talked about last week. Live like you're like you have hope. Live as if you are one who bears hope. Live as if you are one who has promise on your life. In other words, live in the reality of that hope now. Live a life that is dedicated to God now. Live a life that is pure now. Purify yourself. And one of the best ways to live a victorious life and overcoming life today is to have that reflective life, that, that life that is lived in prayer, that life that is lived in confession, that life that daily says, Lord, search me. God, see if there's something in me that needs to be cleansed. Mold me and shape me and, and make me into your image today, Lord. Amen. A life that is purified, a life that is, that is pure, a life that is, that is cleansed of impure motives, impure thoughts, 
A life that is reflected, this is also in 1 John. He said, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. A life that in prayer confesses those things and says, Lord, cleanse me. Lord, wash me. Make me. A life that is lived in holiness. A life that is lived with the intention of pleasing God. A life of holiness. Number four. A life lived in hope is a life that is ready to share that hope with other people. I want to go back to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And, 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 and again, 1 Peter is filled with hope. Just read the, read the book and look for the word hope when you read it. Um, and it'll come alive to you again, uh, all over again when you read 1 Peter now. But now notice this verse uh, in the context of what we've been talking about, hope. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you with fear and meekness. Peter says, be quick to tell someone about the hope that you have. Be quick. To explain the hope that you have. I want us to have that 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 readiness. We live in a world that's in chaos right now. We as Christians should have a certain amount of tranquility about us. It doesn't mean we don't have problems and trials. Of course we do. But there should be that tranquility that comes from the, res from the fact that we live in hope. And when others inquire about that, when others are like, man, what is going on in your life? You seem to have this, this peace about you. You seem to, to have this confidence. Be quick to explain to them the hope that is in us. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The hope that there is more beyond this world. And because there's more beyond that world, God has made an extraordinary investment in us right now. And we live with peace. We live with assurance. We live with confidence. Why? We are living in hope. And Peter says, be quick, be fast, be quick to give an answer to anyone who would ask of the hope that lies in you. Praise God. In closing, I want to go to Romans chapter 12. I mentioned this passage in the very first lesson. I want to mention it again. We may explore it and unpack it more next week, but I want to mention it here in closing. I touched on it in closing last week, uh, the concept. I want to touch on it again this week. Romans chapter 12, Paul's given a long list of exhortations to the Christians in Rome. And in chapter 12, there's, there's some that I think are very relevant today. I'm reading from the ESV in this passage, Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. And this is what he says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. There's a formula for your life right there. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. This is how we live. Amen. We rejoice in hope. When I can't rejoice in my bills, I can rejoice in hope. When I can't rejoice in things that are going on in my family or my life or my health, I can rejoice in hope. When I can't rejoice in what's going on in our culture, in our world, our nation, I can rejoice in hope. I can rejoice in the reality that God will have the final say and that this flesh is going to be put off. I'm going to put off a mortality. I'm going to put on immortality. There will be a time when justice is meted out. I can rejoice in hope. Praise God. Rejoice in hope. 
be patient in tribulation because at the end of tribulation, there is the fulfillment of our hope. And be constant in prayer, a constant prayer life. Amen. We are living in hope. I want us to gather and pray right now again together. Those of you that are together in your homes, wherever you are, again, if you may just join hands right now, would you do that? And I want us to pray and rejoice right now in hope. I want us to rejoice in the reality that if God has has paid such an incredible price and taken such extraordinary care to lay out this plan of redemption that begins in a garden and it ends in, in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and, and to know that if he's been that tedious and that meticulous in the planning of this story of redemption, he is with us right now. He will never leave us or forsake us, and we can rejoice in hope. Could we do that together? Lord, I thank you for the hope that we have right now. I thank you that we rejoice. I thank you that no matter what we face, we can have an, a confidence, we can have an assurance. We're rejoicing in hope. Lord, there are victories, yes, along the way. There are great victories along the way. There is confidence that we can have in you. There are fruit of your spirit that are born in our lives. There are healings and there are miracles. There's all these things that happen. But even when those things are not quite as prevalent or maybe they're not as clearly manifest or recognized, there are still plenty of reasons for us to rejoice. And that chief reason is that we rejoice in hope. God, I pray your strength right now on your people. I pray, Lord, that as we move through this trying time and as we move through, Lord, in this uncertain situations, I pray that we would rejoice in the hope that we have. Bring comfort, bring confidence, bring assurance to your people, bring healing in every home right now. We give you the praise, we give you the glory, and we rejoice in you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God, New Life Austin. I want you to go from here tonight. I want you to, to live with confidence and don't forget, you are living in hope.